At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 356th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners, we want to know what you think about our podcast. You've been listening to me for almost three years now, and I want to hear from you. I have some very specific questions, including what you like about our podcast and where we should be going next. The important part is, I really want your opinion. I'm looking to connect with 50 listeners from no more than 10 minutes who are willing to share your thoughts. It's simple to sign up. Go to urbanfarm.org and look at the top menu. Sign up there. I look forward to chatting. This Urban Farm podcast is brought to you by Seed Bank Box, a monthly seed subscription for the urban farmer. Seed Bank Box is one great big seed surprise. Each month you get a shipment with 8 to 10 varieties of seeds, along with a description and planting instructions. Hit the Seed Bank Lottery. Get more information at urbanfarm.org forward slash seedbankbox. Today on our podcast, we're talking with Jordane Beltran, a young millennial, about repurposing unwanted land and educating grade school children. Jordane is an Arizona native who started gardening by growing jalapeno peppers with his grandfather. He is the co-founder of Urban Farming Organics, who are looking to overcome the food desert crisis in Arizona. Their mission is a fresh-off-the-vine concept to make nutrient-dense produce easily accessible to Phoenix locals. Part of that is working with local youth, helping the next generation learn good, healthy eating habits. Early on, they saw the potential of vacant land as a space for small gardens, specifically to help local residents to get fresh food with higher nutritional value. Urban Farming Organics is working to find local vacant and unused land by contacting the owners to start repurposing the land for farming and community gardens. Welcome to the show today, Jordan. Are you ready to rock the homegrown food movement? Yes, I am. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? I'm 31 years old. I started growing things at a young age with my grandfather, had the experience of growing a few jalapeno plants. Throughout my path, I got into controlled environments for the medical industry of cannabis. Uh That's where I met my business partner, Swan. He was like more on the lab with molecular biology degree. Right. And we wanted to impact more of our society. So that's why we started getting together, brainstorming, and came up with the concept of going after nutrient-dense produce to supply it to people in the valley that don't have it available. Because there are a lot of 
places in the valley that have vegetables, but those vegetables are not completely organic. But if they do have organic produce available, it's limited. And we're just trying to basically market after that demographic so we can change the way they view of healthy eating. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people that are out here in basically the food deserts of Phoenix, mm-hmm. they are, I wouldn't say not educated, but they're not really informed. Yeah, they're not really informed to eat healthier because right. everyone wants to eat what's available and what's fast and what's available and fast is not completely healthy. <laughs> I was in your neighborhood recently and the place that I pulled off was, you know, one of those fancy gas stations that has all kinds of food. I won't call them out by name. Yeah. But when I walked in, it was mostly non-food. In looking throughout the space, there was really nothing for me to eat. That is the main problem and a lot of businesses that are opening, they are fast food restaurants and they have a lot of preservatives. There is a newer movement that's coming up where people are trying to be inclined to have more of a healthier lifestyle. Uh huh. That's only goes for people that are actually looking to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. So what we're trying to do is basically reach out to those communities and bring up the subject because we had the opportunity of going to a few elementary schools and spoke to a sixth grade class. Uh huh. And me being a millennial, I didn't have a smart board in my classroom. I had a chalkboard and then we upgraded to a whiteboard. Well, the kids, they made fun of us. Well, made fun of me because I didn't know how to work a smart board. <laughs> I'm 57. What is a smart board? <laughs> Beats me. Yeah. So they made fun of me for not knowing how to operate a smart board. But it was kind of interesting that they didn't know that vegetables came from the ground. They thought it yeah. came from a can. It was funny how they're educated, but not educated in certain subjects yeah like where does the food come from like they just see it automatically there it is right there in front of them and they're just eating it but they don't really know where the actual source is so Mm -hmm. we really want to go after the youth because by introducing them to a healthier lifestyle we can create new habits for them early on yeah so that's where they could continue that into adulthood nice so you mentioned the word food deserts or i did one of us did along the way explain what that is for our listeners that may not know my definition is that basically parts of the valley, we are growing so large, like so fast that food is available, but it's limited. And that's where fast food chains are infiltrating those areas. And if there is like a grocery store, the grocery stores, there are, are I don't want to call out names, but there are the grocery stores that are there and they have organic produce available. Uh-huh. But the produce is not grown locally. Mm-hmm. Well, some of it is. And most of it is grown maybe a few hundred miles away and probably harvest probably several days before it actually hits hits the shelf or weeks depending on the type of produce that's harvested from the vine it already starts to deplete in nutrient density days after that's already taken off the vine so that's why our concept of fresh off the vine and going after the vacant land in phoenix basically Mm -hmm. we're able to make that directly to the consumer and also by going after the vacant land and creating them into small miniature urban farms yeah we're creating like an aesthetic value we're also hopefully will increase like the property value people will start to have some that they care for and see that's beautiful Mm -hmm. and also by introducing that plants come from the ground to the children early on because they see that in their own neighborhood yeah and not to exclude people that already have that go to these grocery stores that have all organic produce Mm -hmm. the organic produce gmo those are all ten dollar words and also those particular stores don't make everyone feel comfortable to go shop there. Mm. We want to open up and change a different 
type of stores in these locations of the valley. So that's why everyone could feel comfortable going in there to get organic produce at a reasonable price. Yeah. So I just want to kind of return back to this notion of food desert. My understanding is that food deserts are places in metropolitan areas or not maybe even in rural areas as well, where there's just not fresh, nutrient-dense, healthy food available for people to buy. What you find in food deserts are fast food joints, gas stations, those kinds of things. Is that the case? Exactly. Because like I said, Phoenix is like one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. Uh And once we're so spread out, we're not condensed. We're just spread out across the valley. And farther out you get, the only thing that you have directly close to you is something that's a fast food that has preservatives. Our main mission is to try to bring it in closer. And Uh also if people are out there in the food deserts, we also want to teach them and inform them of the healthy lifestyle and to grow their own. Yeah. Well, and you're working in South Phoenix. Yeah, South Phoenix is one of our locations. I'm also like a little bit west of downtown. Got it. So Southwest Phoenix, let's call it. And Southwest Phoenix is urban area. It's urban sprawl. There's areas of dense population. So we're not talking about rural areas here where you're working. You're working really right in the middle of where people live. Yes. There are listed of organic produce, but where we are in the south and southwest side of downtown, there's not necessarily those stores that have complete organic produce. Yeah. And if it is organic produce, it's going to be marked up. And the part of town that we live in, Uh we should bring those prices down. Yeah. And you keep shouting out to organic produce. Some of these places don't even have any produce yeah that's really a bigger part of the problem don't you think oh for sure that's the hugest problem and also along the lines it's like if people are not informed to eat organically or have more of an alkaline diet then they won't go after that and that's why you can't find it on the shelves yeah so by marketing my end of urban farming organics besides growing, but marketing towards these demographics and trying to introduce them to a healthy lifestyle, not to exclude everyone that's already a grown-up because everyone that's a grown-up already has their habits and oh, yeah. it's a little bit harder to break. Yeah. So that's why we're going after the youth and the children yeah. and showing them early on. So I know you're really interested in personal health and making sure that people are healthy and putting good food in. Most recently, I've noticed that when I eat things, like I had a donut recently, I haven't had a donut in probably years. And I noticed within about two hours how it was significantly impacting my health. I got a headache and was feeling drowsy. So you know that well. Tell us about that connection between what you put in and how it affects our health. Yeah, basically, we want to go towards more plant-based diet. Uh Once our body's personal pH level Typically, we want to keep it around 7.4. Not all of us are keeping track of our pH levels, but that's where our body is like most optimal. Just like if you're growing a plant, like the plant has a pH range of where it likes its water. Uh And the same difference for us, because when we have more alkaline diet, we're able to get up to 7.4. And being in that range, you have more mucus reduce. I was looking into Dr. Sebi. He's born in Africa, but was practicing in Honduras Uh and was talking about our body pH levels. And that's where I got interested because growing plants, I always have to make sure my optimal environment for my plant because I want to maximize my yields. So once I was looking at that, at my plants, I'm giving them the perfect environment. It's like, what about my environment? So the alkaline diet, by eating more plant-based, dark greens, carissarous, you know, dark leafy greens, mm-hmm. 
allows you to get to that pH level. And by reducing mucus, that's, you know, one of the main things that affect anytime you get sick, mucus is always involved. Yeah. And also when you're eating grains and wheats and bread and donuts, you're increasing inflammation. Uh-huh. And increasing inflammation affects your body mobility and also how your brain is actually operating. And I got interested in that because as I continue to grow my plants, I also got to look at myself as a plant because it's only right. Like I can't give one thing, right. you know, the best environment and not do that for myself. Yeah. Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she's been really influential listening to her about inflammation and also Dr. CB. Unfortunately, he passed away, but you can still look up his practices of how he achieved this. Yeah. Are you familiar with the term lectins? Lectins. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. I read a book about a year ago called The Plant paradox. Mm -hmm. And we actually listened to it, you know, through Audible, I think. And as he was talking through his content, one of the things he distinguished is how a plant reacts when a bug attacks it. So when a bug attacks a plant, the plant reacts, right? Yeah. And you know this, right? Yes. I forgot where I was listening about this recently, but like bees, when they're... Mm -hmm pollinating plants they actually leave a frequency on its particular flower that it already yeah. just visited so that's why bees don't visit the same pollen sacs also save the bees we gotta save the bees yeah there you go the bees are life because if we can't pollinate our plants oh yeah that's true back to the lectin so when a plant reacts when a bug attacks it it puts off a lectin well those same lectins affect human beings so i actually eat a low lectin diet so i've taken out all grains tomatoes peppers potatoes those kinds of things those things are higher in lectins because the one thing they do is when you have too many lectins one of your body responses is mucus another one is inflammation all right so yeah this is definitely something i need to get into <laughs> i even recently was talking to somebody and they talked about when you have joints replaced you know how people are getting shoulders replaced and knees replaced this yes. kind of stuff. It's because they've been inflamed for so long that their joints are breaking down. Yeah, that's totally true. I wish I had more of a science background, like my partner Sawan. He can go, you know, way in depth in that, and I could barely scratch the surface. Yeah, that's okay because you have a different way of learning than Sawan does. You know, which is completely okay. That's a cool part uh -huh. about our partnership is that we have two different types of personalities: the yin and yang. And I've came in the growing aspect, and he came from the science aspect, and that's where. It's great because I can look to him and be like, hey, what is really going on? We actually interviewed Sawan in episode 346, and we dug into what urban farming organics is, what your company's about in that episode. So we're not going to jump into that today. So if you want to know about urban farming organics, episode 346 with Sawan is where to look for that. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Not completing my education was a little bit of a failure. It's a small failure, but it's okay because in this day and age with having the internet available in our pockets, by being passionate and also being obsessive yeah. just to learn my craft, that's how I feel like I've overcome that hurdle. And yeah, that's basically it. I wouldn't sell myself short. And what do that. you consider your biggest success? So far, my biggest success is having the opportunity to be a part of Urban Farming Organics. Like it really means a lot to me because we teamed up together. We won some grants through ASU and now we have funding to complete our mission to actually push forward. Nice. We literally started with zero funding. Nice. It sounds to me like you have a really nice, successful greenhouse in your backyard. Tell me about that. When you told me in our pre-conversation a little bit about it, it's like, whoa, that's not a backyard greenhouse, dude. 
Yeah, 40 feet long, 12 feet wide, 7 feet high. And there we have, basically I'm going to be able to put, well, it depends what size of pots we're using. We're using uh -huh. 3 gallons and 5 gallons, but I can put 900 to 1,100 plants in there. And we're going to have an array of peppers. Basically, I'm growing the hottest pepper, the North Carolina Reaper, and all the way to the milder peppers, sweet banana. But yeah, basically we're teaming up with a company uh -huh. called Snorin Spice, and he specializes in selling hot peppers, and that's what I'm really into. I love growing flowering plants, and it's also fun to watch people eat the peppers and see the reaction. You've been working in the neighborhoods. Was there one thing that happened with a student, a young person, that kind of clued you into, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? Yes, I would say when I first spoke to the first sixth grade class, and that's where they were making fun of me of not knowing how to work a smart board and exchanging that information because the youth, they are sponges, but they're so smart and they're teaching me how to stay true to my craft. And my craft is the enjoyment mm. of growing plants and teaching people and, you know, introducing them to something that's better that's yeah. already established in their life. Cool. So what drives you? to learn and have experiences every day so I can have a fulfilled life because I don't want to waste one moment or ever be in a position where it's like, <laughs> dang, I didn't utilize that time. Seize it. So if you could recommend one resource for our listeners, what would it be and why? Definitely podcasts, Urban Farm, definitely uh, Joe Rogan podcast that introduced me to a lot of different doctors. The internet is my main source. Like I couldn't say one book because the internet has every book and that's... What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? When people criticize you, take good criticism and try to improve. Everyone else that's criticizing you that's in a negative way, take it with a grain of salt. Just be a duck in water and always push forward because we all have great ideas. An idea is one thing, but making it a reality is another. So never give up. Never give up. Sometimes it takes decades. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jordane. Thank you. You bet. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? You can definitely get a hold of me on urbanfarmingorganics.com. You can also follow me on my Instagram. It's J underbar F-I-L-L-A, J Phila. And I'm also J Phila ones on Facebook. Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash urban farming organics. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. We want to know what you think about our podcast. You've been listening to me for almost three years now, and I want to hear from you. I have some very specific questions, including what you like about our podcast and where we should be going next. The important part is I really want your opinion. I'm looking to connect with 50 listeners from no more than 10 minutes who are willing to share your thoughts. It's simple to sign up. Go to urbanfarm.org and look at the top menu. Sign up there. I look forward to chatting. As listeners to our podcast, you know that I love experimenting. And as urban farmers and gardeners, I can predict that you probably have done your fair share of experiments with new seed varieties. But if you are as busy as I am, sometimes just finding new seeds is a challenge. Well, what if someone else did the work for you? I'd like to introduce you to Seed Bank Box, an excellent source of non-GMO and heirloom seeds delivered right to your door. Each month, you will receive 8 to 10 surprise seed varieties with information for each seed on a card you'll keep. 
It's time to start experimenting again. Let Seed Bank Box help you plant the garden of your dreams. Visit urbanfarm.org forward slash seed bank box for more information and to sign up. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.